Greetings, programs, and welcome to a new episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. I am your host, Matthew, and with me this week is Rachel to help me review two new movies. Uh, how are you, Rachel? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, Matthew? I am good. I, yeah, that's it. I'm good. I don't have any extra banter at this point. What's new in your life? You have stuff going on because you're important and an editor of, of films. Do I? So what's, Do I, I have stuff going on? I don't know. I'm just trying to direct the conversation. When you said that immediately, I just thought, is he trying to get me to talk about some Elvis thing? But I'm like, no, you're not because you're sick of me talking about that anyways. So first I, off, I, I am <laughs> not sick of you talking about Elvis. And second, I just Thank assumed you. that would come up organically at some point. Yeah, it always does. I mean, <laughs> I, I recorded an episode with Dakota yesterday and I was like, it's impressive to me that I didn't mention Elvis once. Although when I started speaking with him, I think we did talk about Elvis before we started recording. <laughs> uh, the most recent episode of Zoom that I've listened to is the one that you recorded with um, uh, our friend Todd. Todd. Uh, and there's like, I enjoyed the section <laughs> where you guys sort of like very friendly but not so friendly had it out about how much elvis was going to be on the podcast for the next 12 months <laughs> because we before we started recording we were talking about elvis and todd was saying because like i tweeted something out about um the 68 special dvd and he said he was at work and he was like he saw it and was like oh shit i kind of want to check ebay to see if i can get a copy too and then he just kind of, I, I had no intention of bringing it up in the episode. And then he brought it up as like a joke and it really made me laugh. But um, I, I don't mind. I don't mind that my personality has just become Elvis Presley recently. Yeah. You know what else I remember from that episode of ContraZoom is that you don't know what this show is called. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my bad. It's funny because it's like the easiest podcast name to remember as well. Like it's a very, yeah. very simple name, but for some reason, my mind had just gone blank at that point. <laughs> you know what it was? Yeah. I was reading like my little script that I had written, and I think that I left out the name of the podcast, and I was like, I'll remember it. Like I don't need to write this down. <laughs> and then as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't write it down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that. You you know, when you're reading a script and you're like, oh, I have to remember something spontaneously now? Yeah. What? Um, but also, yeah. you're on you're on staff now, basically, so you should. Know I know the it is calls. true. Yeah, it yeah. is. It you're is here all the time, so. pretty much. Yeah. When, when Simon's not available, I'm here. Even when Simon is available, free yeah, to, free, to, free to hop in. Well, we should definitely do that more frequently and further your podcasting career and yeah. your your you know film person career. Let's get one of us Rotten Tomatoes that did this year. How about that? That's good. Seems like you're the likely candidate. I don't know if I'm I'm re- like I don't know if I've done enough years though. Like I was trying to calculate it out, and I'm technically still not. Don't you just need to be like active for two years in the next? Um, yeah, no, I haven't been active for two years though. But the next like oh, intake wait. is in the fall, right? And you will be by then. Oh, is it in the fall? I thought it was gonna be in the spring. I thought it was January and then the fall, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, oh! So they just had one, and I'm. <laughs> I don't. I mean, honestly, I'm probably wrong because I I got turned down last year, and I haven't, and I'm not allowed to apply again for two years, so I'm not oh. going to be thinking about it until 2023. Or oh, is that how that works? Like, if they deny you, you can't apply for two years. That's rough. Yeah, although I've heard things like they said that in their email, but then also I've had someone be like, "I just applied six months later, and they didn't say anything about it. I just got in, so I have no idea." Oh, interesting. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll apply. I think I did apply the last round, but they didn't get back to me at all. Like, they didn't deny me, nor did they. They didn't even acknowledge my existence, pretty much. But I did write in there. I think there was, like, a place to put a note. And I did say, like, I've only been doing this for a year, so I understand that I'm, like, bending the rules here. Um, right. Somebody had said to me, they were like, just apply. Like, what's the worst that can happen? And I was like, yeah, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess I will be two years. If it's fall, then I'll be two years, and then I can apply. Yeah, maybe it's it might be you might be right though. It might be March. Rotten tomatoes. I thought it was March, but I I you know intake. I but I I because I don't follow them on the Twitter and all that kind of stuff because I think that they probably put up when the application is available on there. So I probably should follow them. Uh, I mean, probably, probably you know they probably check that. Uh, maybe I don't know. They're a big organization. They're either really on the ball or maybe not so much. You know what? That's a good point. Let me just give them a quick follow here. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, they next uh, applications reopen in March, March the first. So you got time. Oh, like my whole thing though is like I technically didn't start. I think my very first thing that I got published on Exclaim was April 2021. So is that oh. technically two years? Like, am I at two years, or are they like, oh no, like you're a month shy? No, you're, that's two years. That's two years. Two years is the crow applies, so you'll be fine. Right, I gave him a follow, so now I'm, <clears throat> I'm into it. Good. Well, uh, then, like I say, at least one of the people in our circle should be Rotten Tomatoes accredited, I think. And you seem like the front runner, so let's let's make that happen. The circle <clears throat> in the Austin Friday circle? Actually, that's not true, even because at least I know at least two other people in like more general circle of the people who I. I was gonna say because I think Thomas is. I know Thomas is. Yeah, certified. yeah. Thomas from Four Real is, and so is um, Taylor from uh, Drinking the Movies. He's he's on uh, Tomatoed as well. Is Taylor? I thought Taylor was a part of For Real, or is this a different Taylor? There's two Taylors. Oh, I don't know the other Taylor, or do I? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe I think not. I know the other Taylor. <laughs> I yeah. only know one Taylor. Nor- normally, on the sh- uh, when we are in like mixed company, we just call for real. Taylor is uh, Beaumont and uh, drinking the movies. Oh Taylor's yes. Baker. Okay. Yes, I do recall when I was hanging out with the for real guys. They kept saying calling someone Beaumont. I thought that was a different person, but that was that they were talking about Taylor. Yeah, because there's two Taylors. Got you. Yeah. yeah, these are the the tangled webs we weave as film critic friends, uh, having multiple Taylors in our lives. I think I met Taylor. Was Taylor at TIFF this year? Oh yeah, he was. I think I might have <laughs> met Taylor at TIFF. Yeah, and don't worry, I'm definitely not cutting this part out of the show. <laughs> Do you know what's bad though? Like in that age, that um, <laughs> episode with Pod, I think I asked him. I was like, "Have you been to Toronto?" And I'm like, "Right, I met you in Toronto. Like we just <laughs> met a few months ago." <laughs> In Toronto, like, I, I met up with him like I think two or three times. I saw him during TIFF. I had lunch with him once, and then like I sat and I had a conversation with him another time. You went to a bunch of movies know. together too, right? Like that's as my. Oh under- yeah, we did. We sat next to each other watching. That's <laughs> oh, terrible. This is really bad. But yeah, and then I think when I was, and then while we were at TIFF, I remember. Oh, we were talking about the A24 episodes on ContraZoom. And then I, I even looked at Tom and I go, oh, Thomas, how come you haven't done one? And Tom's like, I have. You were there. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Damn. Right. You did. Like, he did do it. Like, I remember now he did. I think he did Locke with us. I want to say he did Locke. I, could be I think that's now. correct. And I only think I know that because I just listened to your 
most dangerous year episode, and I believe you called that out. Yeah, because I felt really bad afterwards. I'm just like, Thomas, you should come on. And he's like, I've been like, we've we've spoken before. And I was like, oh, <laughs> to be fair, we don't use video in ContraZoom very often. Um, so I don't really see these people. I just hear a voice and I don't I don't visualize the person. Yeah, I don't get that. The uh, I like the video. At least I like I people like that see the person too, talking but, to. Um, I don't know. Dakota, I don't know. I don't know. Dakota, Dakota doesn't like doing the video too much. Yeah. Um, he's open to it because I remember I did ask him at one point. I said like maybe we should do video because it's just easier for me to see when you're done talking. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. But then I kind of. But then the thing is, then I have to like make sure I'm not sitting on the floor and all that kind of stuff. Well, so. you don't have to do that. Because yeah, uh, like, I you don't have to record the video part. I'm just saying. No, it's true. It's true. But whatever. But the the problem has been whenever we have, like, we turn the video on if there's an interview with, say, like, a director or something like that, then we'll do video. But if mm-hmm. it's just, like, you guys, um, yeah, video's off. But then that's the problem is I don't know who has been on. So when I look at Thomas in the face, I don't realize. Yeah, we've actually spoken for, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> and I, t- I did not remember that. But I felt, I remember feeling really bad about that. Well, I mean, on the other hand, like I uh, don't feel too bad because I know I've been on your on ContraZoom twice for the A twenty four retrospectives, Have and I literally on? and I literally just had to look up what the second one was, and it was like it was it was the episode before Todd's, and I forgot that it was that. <laughs> so. But you and I haven't. Have you and I done a ContraZoom episode together? I don't think we have. I believe you were there for the rover. Uh, Oh shit! Yeah, uh, right. yeah, but I think it was just me and Dakota for the captive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yes, the captive I didn't do with you guys, but yeah, okay. So, so we have done. Yeah. An episode together. Okay, Simon, I don't think has been on ContraZoom. I want to. Say no. Um, that there, that's a solvable, it's a solvable problem. I'm sure he'd love yeah. to come on. A lot of these things are solvable. I could just have a better memory. But yeah, at the minimum, though, I have applied it equally across everybody that I just forget. <laughs> so at least I'm not focusing on one specific. Like I'm not like Todd. I don't know who you are. It's it's, it's been applied very very generously across everyone. So it's fine. Well, it's uh, very very egalitarian of you. But well done. Yeah, I try. Well I try. I'm if yeah. nothing but an equal opportunist. <laughs> and you know, just because it hasn't come up organically, not not really. What is your Elvis jam today? Oh, rubbernecking. <laughs> rubbernecking. I was listening to very specifically the 1969 um, live version at the International Hotel, mm-hmm. uh, and it's after it plays after the "Are You Lonesome Tonight" version where he's laughing the whole time, which is huh. it, yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny one. Um, but I, think, I really like rubbernecking. It's a really good song. I think there's like a. Um... Isn't that one of the ones that got like an Oakenfold re- remix on one of the like number one or the second to none album? I think. I don't know about those things. I'm not. I'm not that deep into Elvis yet. It sounds yes, like you I are. Be, yes, you are. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that deep into Elvis. I only listen to every song every day. Yeah, I pretty much. Uh, do. So I had a great day with just gospel music of Elvis. And I have to say. When you're in the mood for gospel, like I don't listen to gospel music really ever, but when you're in the mood for it, it really hits. Like when you're in the when you're in the right mindset to take on some Elvis gospel music, it's good shit. It's good stuff. 
Yeah, he's good shit. Uh, let's he see, is. in he really is. In the number ones album, it was a uh, Junkie XL. Uh, also, say um, I really like Kentucky Rain. I've been listening. I was listening to that in the morning. Um, I really enjoy that song. It's really good. There's a really I mean, cool YouTube channel that I shared it with you. Um, that they just put together all of the session recordings, like every single version um, mm-hmm. of a single song. And so the video, the videos are like. 30 minutes to 45 sometimes up to an hour um and it's amazing the jailhouse rock one is incredible to hear him do that because he like messes up a few times mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool to hear so shout out to that channel I, I don't know their name leon something something leon yeah uh yeah so on the elvis uh second to none which came out in the early zeros which was a collection so there was a when i was young back in the late 90s early zeros there was an album that came out that was called uh just elvis number ones there was 30 tracks mm-hmm. on it and it's a great album and then a couple of years later they did a follow-up called second to none which was basically everything that was popular and as i understand it like didn't get to number one and yeah right. the last track on that album is a paul oakenfold remix of rubberneck which you should totally check out i should it's a really good song really. yeah weird he's got good music but I, I was saying you i'm like reading his books and i'm getting to the end and sad it's sad yeah. it's to the point that i kind of want to stop reading like one once i read oh he's performed at the international hotel then i'm like maybe i should stop the book and then that is that is sort of where the good memories stop isn't it that is yeah but then i feel like you gotta kind of i don't know you have to take take the good with the bad kind of thing but yeah it's just really sad. It's just really, really sad, and it's it bums me out a little bit, and it puts me in a weird, weird funk. Interestingly, that you know, that's where the good memories stop, and it's also where the movie sort of gains a narrative. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You know, the more I read about Elvis, and like the more I get it, like I have to say, I'm I'm. I don't know if I like I like Austin Butler's performance more. But I feel like how they chose what to focus on in Elvis's career is a bit dodgy. Because, like, he still does. Like, I, they, they they don't even do anything with the Aloha special, I don't think, in the movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, I don't believe they don't so. Do they basically went, like, after he divorces him and Priscilla divorced, then his life went to ruins. And I'm like, eh, he still had some good years after that, though. Like, let's be real. And he yeah. had, like, a really great love with Linda Thompson afterwards as well. And they don't talk about that in the slightest. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's not even in the movie at all. No, she's never mentioned. And then I always found it interesting at the very end when they did the montage, because they included um, a clip of their wedding, Priscilla and Elvis's wedding. And I find it, I mean, not to get into a Priscilla thing, but I'm just saying, she's not a widow. But the way that it's been kind of painted afterwards is like she is his widow. And I'm like, but they were divorced for however many years before he died. And he like fell in love again after, but I digress. That's it's neither here nor there. I mean, to me, she'll always be Jane from the Naked Gun. So, <laughs> it <doesn't really laughs> you know what? So, okay, this is the weirdest thing. On like, there are weird people on Instagram, <laughs> like in Instagram. Uh, sorry, is there that- are weird people on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird. Right? <laughs> Surely you jest. It's weird, but I've noticed that like Elvis people on instagram comments are weird like they say weird things and anytime that i see a picture of elvis and priscilla and there's a comment there's always somebody who goes that's not priscilla and i'm like what 
it's like and they're just convinced that that's not priscilla Presley. i'm like that's really weird but then i think about it and i go when i compare her to when i because i didn't realize that was her and naked gun like because she doesn't look the same actually i don't think that she really looks anything like the pictures i see of her and elvis and then i think of that woman from naked gun Mm-hmm. They don't look anything alike to me, and I didn't. I didn't. Re- it took me like longer than it should have to realize that that was the same person. I was like, yeah. oh, damn. Because I, I, so on one hand, the person's crazy who keeps saying that on commenting on every single picture that that's not Priscilla, but on the other hand, I kind of get where she's coming from. Like, it doesn't look like her. It's weird. Does this person also have thoughts about the um, geometric shape of the planet? By any chance. Probably. I bet you they probably do. I don't really look too hard into their profile, but like probably. And or the the extent to which the nineteen sixties space program perhaps existed. They all kind they all they all this it's a big Venn diagram, isn't it? The people who think Elvis is still rocking and like, you know, all these things. Also, the idea that Elvis didn't die, I'm like, that's really like that's painting him in a really negative light then because that's just saying he didn't even want to be around for his own daughter. <laughs> he was like, screw all this. And I'm like, that's that's messed up to say something like that. Generally yeah. speaking, if someone dies, just, you know, get over it and they died. I say get over it. I mean, I'm not really over it. So, you know. <laughs> and, and you just found out about it though, so it's fresh for you. I just discovered Elvis. <laughs> I was having dinner with some friends and they were um, we were talking about like music and then listed off these things and I was like I have no idea who these people are and he's like oh like I'm really into I can't remember what he said now it's like really obscure European stuff I just look at him like I literally just discovered Elvis I'm not ready to do this (laughs) really niche European trap music or whatever the hell it is that you're doing but nice yeah this is this is the point in the banter where I ask if you've seen Bubba Hotep and without trying to get too in too in depth, uh, recommend it if you haven't. I haven't. I feel like you should check out this movie. I'm going to yeah. tell you, it involves an elderly Elvis played by Bruce Campbell living in a nursing home, terrorized by a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't watched apart from Baz Luhrmann's movie. I actually haven't really dipped into the movies about Elvis. I've been watching his movies, which mm. my god, that's that's been that's been something. But um I just recently watched Girls 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 yesterday. I Have you seen that one? No. Uh maybe, maybe when I was a kid. I haven't seen any Elvis movies recently. They've got some like Chinese things going on in there that made me a little uncomfortable, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this Elvis. Well, casual but racism in the fifties? Surely you like, jest. And, and then I looked up like the two actors, the two Chinese actors who are in it, and I'm like, they're born in California, both of them, but yet for some reason in the movie they had these really awful, quote unquote, Chinese accents. I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah. However, that being said, Elvis looked really good. Like he looked real fine in that movie yeah he's a devastatingly handsome man he is a very very handsome man yeah um and that was the one that has returned to sender it's it's great uh, oh there's a cat there's a cat in here now um yeah you should definitely watch Bubba hotel i feel like you will either love it or hate it and there's not going to be that much middle ground <laughs> There's not going to be like, it's not going to be like a 6, 7 out of 10. It's either going to be a 1, 2, or a 9, 10. 
pretty pretty much. I remember really liking it. Uh, I haven't actually seen it. Uh, it came out in 2002, so like late zeros would probably be the last okay. time that I saw it. It also has um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Ozzy Davis. Ozzy, yeah, yeah, Ozzy Davis, who um, plays, who is a very famous African American actor playing JFK, like an aged JFK. Okay, JFK is still alive in this in this movie as well, eh? Yeah, is he and still they, alive or is he a mummy? No, he's still alive, and he's a whole thing about how he was uh, his death was faked by the CIA, and they turned him black and hid him away in this nursing home. <laughs> like, wow! <laughs> it is definitely wow. a film. It is definitely a movie, a capital wow. M movie. Wow! I will, I will watch this. Okay, I will watch it. Yeah, and I believe, if my memory serves, the premise is that it's an aged Elvis who lives in this nursing home, and towards the end of his career, he was really unhappy, and he paid an Elvis impersonator to take his place for one night, and then the impersonator just, like, never gave it back. Like, never gave it back. So he's lived the life of this impersonator for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Who wrote this? Uh, I don't remember his name. I don't know if he's really done anything else. Uh, Don... Corsarelli, Cosarelli. Cosarelli, Coscarelli. Yeah. He did, uh, he wrote John Dies at the End, which is also pretty good. That's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I think I could take this over, like, I don't know, uh, like the Priscilla movies or the Kurt Russell plays him, I think, in the movie. Jonathan Rhys Myers does a miniseries. I feel like this would be more um, palatable. Yeah. That miniseries is on Tubi, just for the record. I also got that um, you sent me, the, it's like the streaming channel that's just always Elvis. Yeah. Just all the Elvis. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fully supportive of your new Elvis habit. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's and, you know, weird. that is... That is very much like the first movie we're going to talk about today. No, it's not. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's not. not. Don't at all. disrespect <laughs> Elvis that way. Don't know what Could you try again? Let's, oh, let's have some. I so, somehow I set off my Siri by laughing too hard. Uh, um, but yeah, let's move on to the movies. I feel like we've been bantering for a long time, which, to be clear, I don't regret. <laughs> and uh, um, and I feel like it's might because. You may have just given away how we feel about the movie in the way you reacted to my transition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Um, so let's talk about the new Amazon Studios, Amazon Prime exclusive release, Somebody I Used to Know. Can I just say, um, there's always a media note in their releases that they like to be called Prime Video. So oh, Prime Video. Yeah. Prime. Watch Prime yourself. video. Don't, don't get don't get Bezos on your back. They like. I shall indeed check myself before I wreck myself. Um, yeah, but it's this exclusive re release to Prime Video, starring Alison Brie and directed by her husband Dave Franco. Um, and written who, by the two of them together. Just want to. Yeah, that. written by the by them together uh, and produced. I believe one of them's involved in producing it as well. Maybe. Um, yeah, but it's Amazon Studios, and 
It is uh, a romantic comedy about a woman, played by Alison Brie, who suffers a career setback, goes back to her hometown, and meets her uh, ex from her past, who's about to get married, and then spends the rest of the movie trying to break up that marriage. And if it sounds like I'm describing my best friend's <laughs> wedding, it's because I'm describing a lesser version of my best friend's wedding. Is that Very true. is that fair to say, do you think? Yeah. It's like, for, okay, so first off, the guy who plays, um, Jay Ellis plays Sean, who's the first love of Alison Bree's life. Yep. He's great. I really yep. enjoyed him in it. I And uh, his new fiance is played by Kiersey Clemens, and I also really enjoyed her. She's lovely. She's really, really great in this, actually. I noticed, I looked her up. She's going to be in, like, a ton of stuff coming up, I think. Not a ton, but, like, a good amount of things that... Um, enough to be excited for i'll say that it's enough to be excited for for her what was i looking at oh she's gonna be in the flash movie and then there's a tv show anyways yeah she's already she was she was iris west in the uh well in Zack snyder's justice league i guess because she was cut out of the theatrical release of that movie from justice league yeah I always like that name for it. I was like, who came up with that? It's really funny that they call it Justice League. Um, but anyways, yeah, something, I don't know. This movie is very, I was messaging you while I was watching it. And I'm just like, all I really want to do is watch My Best Friend's Wedding at this point. Because it literally is the same plot of My Best Friend's Wedding. Except I would say it's crueler than My Best Friend's Wedding. Because at least in My Best friend Friend's Wedding, Julianne, played by Julia Roberts, was actually invited to the wedding. Like she showed up, she was invited, she was a guest. Yeah, she's not a wedding crasher. She doesn't like. She's not a crasher. She doesn't and use then, her former boyfriend's parents' love of her to like get herself invited. Yeah, and which she's is what not, happens like, in this to, one. And she's not like trying to push it too far of saying like of trying to. Oh no, she does do like bad stuff. But Alison Brie's character, whose name I kind of forget, Allie. Um, it's Al. It's Allison Brie. She plays Allison Brie in this movie. <laughs> Um, and I'm not I, saying that to be like to be like mean or to say she's not acting. It's just being like this movie is ultimately my like one word review would be forgettable. It's very that. forget. I mean, I was when I was writing my review for Exclaim, which I wrote like maybe two days after I saw the movie, I could barely remember anything, and I kept having to ask you different things. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't remember what it was, and like. I asked you what what does the boyfriend do like what was his job I was like was he an interior designer or something and like so in my review because you sent it to me you said um, renovation slash construction and then I put I think I wrote in my review I went renovation slash design <laughs> I don't I didn't really remember who he with, was with a question mark but it like never yeah. it like comes up exactly once in the movie just yeah. to like like oh yes I renovated the bar we're sitting in. Uh, and that proves that I am a, su a successful person in my hometown. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll it, say, so I found the movie just really hollow. And it's just like whenever you're doing these types of derivatives of classic movies. And like, let's be clear. My Best Friend's Wedding doesn't own that kind of storyline. A lot of other movies have done it before and since. But the, it is a very, it, but it's remarkably close to My Best Friend's Wedding. though, Like very, very close. Um, but the thing is, I just found it really like forgettable is a good word. It's really hollow. But then I was watching a podcast and a, a movie podcast of these um, film critics, these American film critics, 
And one of them just had like the deepest thoughts about this movie, which I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, because he was saying, he was like, it's kind of, it's about identity and it's about like not taking your work so seriously and like looking beyond your career and your professional to, to identify yourself and like be content with who you are and like filling your time and filling your life. And I was like, wow, you really went to a place with this movie that I did not in the slightest. But I kind of think that that's, um, I think that that's kind of a nice thing about movies is that I can watch it and just be like, yeah, no, whatever. But at least somebody out there is like thinking a bit deeper on it and like they get something out of it as much as I think. Yeah, no, you're just grasping at straws. And maybe the reason that your brain went and started thinking about all those things is because the movie was so dull that you just you literally had nothing else to like pin your hat on. That was all you were like, all you could think of was taking a point that they were trying to make and then running with it on your own. I mean, that that is actually um, a very good read on the arc of Alison Bree's character through the yeah. movie, who is work obsessed at the beginning and really coming into her, you know, back into being herself at the end. Um, and while I agree that that is, I believe that arc is technically successful. I also believe it is probably the shallowest version of that arc being successful. Like it's very not. It's it's all surface. Like this movie it is. is um, I, I hollow is a good word. I would say that um, to to coin a phrase that my dad likes to use sometimes. Uh, I think that this movie brings new depths to shallow. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it is all surface, and some yeah, some of it is. is nice. There's a couple of good scenes. I actually really enjoyed the scene, even though it's kind of ridiculous. But there's a scene where Alison Brie like does an impromptu song. To the tune of Semi Charmed Life. Yeah, I didn't and, like that. And like, I, I just, I found, I was like, this is, I, I, I enjoyed it kind of despite myself because I really like Semi Charmed Life and I really like Allison Brie and I think I just wanted to like it. Um, the scene itself is super clumsy, but she's kind of adorable, so it sort of worked for me. She is. I, you know? I think the reason I didn't like it because I just thought, oh my god, they're they're doing, they're even gonna do like a karaoke kind of scene, which is what they did in my best friend's wedding like that's all I could I'm like wow they're really doing this as well you know what I mean like that's kind of what was going through my mind the one scene I did like um was between Danny uh putty 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 yeah putty? yeah um and yeah. Allison Brie because I I used to watch Community I didn't f finish to the end but um when I f when Community first came out I really enjoyed it and they have a really nice uh yeah, Vancouver. Siren out there. Big, big, big siren. Yeah. Um, but they have uh, they have a really nice chemistry between them. So it was nice when they first see each other again because they're kind of playing. Well, Danny Danny plays like the guy who's like her best friend from home kind of thing who she hasn't seen in a while, and they they pick up kind of where they left off kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they have a really cute little back and forth there, and um, I enjoyed that. But that was because community. <laughs> yeah, it's more a community thing than anything else. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very it's a very trite movie, and just the whole thing. Like they, I just wanted to watch my best friend's wedding. Like I came out of that movie being like, I could really watch my best friend's wedding right now. And I also enjoyed singing to Semi Charmed Life over the end credits. That's oh, I may have sang Semi Charmed Life full I... full tilt. Same, uh, same, because it's a great song. Like it's an yeah. excellent, excellent song. It's a, it's a great, a great song about doing meth. <laughs> and um 
it's one of those songs <sighs> that you don't you shouldn't really read the lyrics like you shouldn't really go too deep into it like just enjoy it because it's a, it's a nice little boppy tune yeah um as i as i believe i texted to you yeah right after watching it um and for all the canadians in the audience uh big shiny tunes two for life yeah. what up it's great that's yeah. the best compilation album that and now three they came out in the same year yeah. what a year what a year for yeah. music. They True really story. As, as far as I know, Big Shiny Tunes 2 is still actually the best-selling album in Canadian history. I, I can't, like, yeah, of course it is. Which of you can't fault. You can't fault it. Of it's course. A, it's a, I'm not even into that. Like, I didn't grow up in, into, like, rock music or anything like that. I think my brother got it. That's why we had it. It is a tremendous album. One that I still listen to today. Like, I don't really listen to Now 3 anymore even though that has some great songs on it too, but big shiny tunes too. I will put that on every now and then. And it's fantastic. It's absolutely I'm just, fantastic. I'm just Googling it. Apparently big shiny tunes two went on to sell 1.233 million copies before going out of print. And despite being out of print is still the fourth best selling album in Canadian history. That's incredible. That is <laughs> we should start a podcast about big shiny tunes too. I, would 100% do that and yeah. just go through yeah it's it's a great it's a really really great album it's how much how many canadian artists are on big shiny tunes too i actually don't know if there's uh i don't even know if there's holly mcgarland is canadian isn't she yeah holly mcgarland's canadian bush is american collective soul collective soul is canadian no they're american uh american. the tea party is canadian yeah they're canadian uh wide mouth mason is canadian okay Okay, so there's a uh, and, and Age of Electric is Canadian. So there's a decent amount. Okay. Because it would yeah. how funny would it be if like the best selling Canadian record is a compilation of American and British rockers? Yeah. Let's well, what one, two, uh three, four. It's like four or five tracks out of the seventeen. So it's like a third. We'll call it a third. Just we'll just fine. round up. Canada, it it's fine it's fine it's absolutely yeah. fine it's the way that we still call brendan fraser canadian like it's fine <laughs> yeah it's fine it's, it's absolutely yeah. fine and interestingly even that. though even though she is quite canadian um i recently learned that shania twain has lived in switzerland for just years <laughs> a very long time yeah she's been living there even before she got divorced i think they, they just moved over there and just were living there for yeah had their kids there long, and stuff so time. yeah very very long time yeah but she's still but that's she's very much like the movie Canadian girl though she's still a good canadian girl do you know what yeah. though i will say the fact that we have sidetracked so much to talk about big shiny tunes too that's exactly how we feel about the movie and that there's just it's very there's just nothing there and no there's nothing there it's really a it's a bit of a shame there's nothing there did you have hopes I mean, for this one though did you think that it was like dave franco allison brie like so what's interesting is that um, I'll say two things about that. One is that I basically didn't have any idea this movie even existed until oh. I was looking for something. And I was like, oh, there's a new movie coming out from Dave Franco uh, as a Dre and Alison Brie. Like, oh, well, that's good. And I think you you suggested it as one we could maybe watch for the show, which thank you. Well, I never regret literally, watching a movie for the first time. Yeah. I was going to say there are literally like, I think, three titles that came out this week. So, yeah. Um <laughs> But I will say that I think it is, he directed another movie a couple of uh, years ago, I the, believe, the rental. called yeah, The Rental, rental. Which, wasn't um, bad, actually. which, I, which I actually really liked. Oh, really? Um, that I, sort of I, like was... single location, low-key horror is kind of like my jam these days. And so 
the the fact that I hadn't heard anything about it gave me pause. But the fact that he was directing it, I was like, okay, well, he's done one good movie, <laughs> yeah. you know, as as a director. And you know, anything with Alison Brie to me can't be all bad. Like she's True. sort of she's sort of too adorable. Um, She's very reliable, I think. She's very consistent in what her in her output. She's very, very consistent. She's very consistent. I and I really like her as a performer. I think she has a pretty great comedic timing. Um yeah. and I think it's interesting because I know a lot of people who like I think she's the more interesting version of the type of actress that um Zoe Deschanel is. Do you know what I mean? Like she yeah. takes Yeah, like the the kind of the pixie the pixie manic girl kind of thing, right? Like that really Yeah, but then she pixie also like girl with with um uh, brunette fringe. That's Yeah. <laughs> but then she also like takes more chances. Like she's in more yeah. types of things. Um, I think I mean that comes down to her just being no offense to Zoe Deschanel, but she's just a more talented actress. Like she's just got more range for Zoe Deschanel. She has a shit. I've only ever seen her in like one type of thing, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like there's many actors who do that and do that very, very well. Um, but I yeah. think for hers, it's a bit unfortunate because I think she, like you kind of age out of that role yeah. that she has. Like you eventually will just be too old to do something like that. Yeah, um, for sure. Which I think she kind of has now. I haven't seen Zoe Deschanel in a thing in in ages. I don't think I've watched her in something in a very, very long time. I think I've seen her did? on. I think I've seen her on TikTok, but I don't. Oh, I don't think. well, that doesn't count, now, does it? That's uh, not, no, that's not a credit. No. Um, but I mean, yeah, I I really like Alison Brie, so yeah. I don't. Again, I don't think that anything with her in it can't be all bad. I really like Danny Pudi. Pudi? Pudi? I don't know how to pronounce. It. I'm sorry, Danny. I don't know how to pronounce your name. I should really look it up. I'm a bad person. Um, I think he's great in everything. Um. And I and they have great chemistry. I think I think I think the, the I think the really frustrating thing about this movie is that literally all of the pieces are there for it to be good and interesting, and it's just not like and there's I none of it. None of it comes together. I find it disappointing because I do think Dave Franco has the ability to make something interesting. Like I like the rental is good, and I think that he. And just from what I've seen from him in interviews as well, like he's an interesting guy and he has um, very well spoken. He's got like a lot of interesting things to say. And so to me, when I see like directors like that, I just go like, oh, like you could you could do something good. And the rental, like you said, it's a good example of what he is capable of. Mm-hmm. This movie is I don't know. I, I think he could have <laughs> could have done better, Dave. You could have done better. But then again, you and I aren't making movies. So, you know. <laughs> That. I mean, there's that, and again, like I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I regret watching this movie. No, um, like it fine. is. If you if you looked it up, the word if you looked at the word "fine" in the dictionary, you would find this movie. You know, that that's way. how I opened my review for Exclaim. I wrote this movie is the very definition of I was going to say fine, but then mm-hmm. I think I changed it to fine but not good. <laughs> 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 fine but not good. Um, like there's definitely yeah. there's definitely be- worse ways to like you know to, to like to fetter away like a Saturday afternoon on a rainy and day. it's it's like like a 90 minute movie like it's not very long um, yeah. and I'll say one thing about it that I did like the pacing is really good which I know is a weird thing to compliment a movie on but there's no. just so many movies that are they are 90 minutes and they feel like a slog this yeah. one though it really does just whip by so you know 
it's not a time waster. I'll say that. It's not a time waster. Yeah. But I mean, then there's... again, at the same time, you could just go watch my best friend's wedding. Yeah. And I think that would be a better use of your time. Yeah. In my opinion. And actually, this movie is 106 minutes. So that's it's actually. Like, oh, it's a little, it's little like an hour. It's like an hour 45. A little bit. But you're right. It doesn't ever it doesn't ever like doesn't really have any like lulls. No. Or anything like that. Like it's uh, consistent pacing in a movie like this. I think is important because it 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 doesn't give you time to stop and think in the moment about how little is actually going on. You know what I didn't like, and this is a really random point in the movie that it, it's it's like a silly silly thing. Um, I don't like the font that they used. <laughs> like, I like they used a font that showed the years. I think on. Um, in the film very very br- like briefly they don't do that very often but then the end credits pull up and i did not like the font like any of the font i was just like i don't like this font and it's is the this... stupidest it's the dumbest thing to criticize a movie for and i did not write this in my official review on explain to be clear because i know it's dumb but i just well, watched i'm like who chose this font like this is the it's a terrible font for a movie so Knowing that you didn't write it into your exclaim review, I'm just going to say thank you for giving the show exclusive content. <laughs> um, but now all I can picture is like you in a dramatic SNL sketch, like Ryan Gosling talking about papyrus. Like, did you know they used papyrus? <laughs> um, but you're right. Interestingly, I feel like the font, uh, if we're going to go into it, I feel like the font was sort of inappropriate to the movie. <laughs> so, like, it's just... It, uh, it was a little too okay. whimsical. It was a little bit too whimsical for the way <laughs> the plot plays out in the movie and for how mean-spirited some of the actions taken in it are. So I think it's a valid and interesting criticism. I will, like, I will make this another point, is that there's so little going on in the movie that my mind went to, what kind of font is that? <laughs> like, like, I shouldn't really care about something. Like, I'll be honest, in Avatar, I don't care about the papyrus font. Like, I'm not the biggest Avatar fan in the world, but I know it's a joke that people make about, about Avatar, but I, I never once when I watched it thought, what kind, of, what kind of font is this? This is the first movie I ever sat there and went, wow, that font is terrible for this. <laughs> like, and that, to show you, there's really nothing going on in the movie. So yeah. I apologize for bringing us down that road, but it had to be said. It just had to be pointed out that the font is no good. I mean, font analysis in film criticism I think it's an untapped market, so maybe we should just do that every time. There are some people who are really into fonts. Like there really are, yeah. Genuinely, people who are really, really into fonts, and and, and again, our, our willingness to keep on serif. Yeah, I learned what that meant recently. I was like, oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think our willingness to keep talking about it just again proves how little's going on. <laughs> so, um, knowing everything we that we've talked about, and more importantly, how much we haven't talked about it. How many stars would you give this movie? Um, oh, sorry, score right there. Uh, it's okay. We're all adults here. Hopefully, I gave I gave it a five out of ten on um, exclaim. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go down to a two because I won't give it a three. I will not give it the satisfaction of a three. Give it a, give it a two. Yeah, I will also two give stars. it a two stars out of five. Uh, one each for Allison and for uh, well one for Allison Brie and then one for the supporting cast who I thought was all pretty good yeah um, the performances even if, are fine I actually think yeah. the performances are all good They're, none of them are bad 
Yeah. Like I say, all the all the pieces are there. Uh, and it just doesn't really... Like the, honestly, the problem, the problem is that um, you can make a movie that's this thin as long as it's funny. And this movie's mm-hmm. not very funny. I didn't as, laugh. That's what I it really boils down to. I didn't laugh once watch i don't even think i smiled at one. and i, <laughs> I, and I, I feel... smiled when the when semi-charmed life came on at the end then i got really into it but i don't think i laughed once during the movie no wonder you yeah, i got really movie, that really got, me. got really the, the font and the song i got really into the credits <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's what it boils down to we've talked a lot about how boring the movie is but ultimately the problem the problem with it is it just isn't very funny um yeah. and i feel like we probably should have led with that but that's where we are so <laughs> I'll say, yeah. as I was singing along to the movie and I started doing other things, I was just letting the, the movie run because I just wanted to listen to semi Charm Life. I did look over at my screen at one point and I thought, what kind of font is this? <laughs> like, so it all tied together, really, that the font and then the song. So I'm gonna, my two stars are going to go to Alison Brie plus semi Charm Life. Cause yeah. That's a great song. And that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. Good. Uh, well, that's somebody I used to know. So let's uh, move on to our second title of the show, um, which is going to be an Apple TV exclusive, although it is, I believe, playing in limited release in theaters in some markets uh, like New York. I think LA. only in the States, I believe. Yeah. I don't even yeah, think New York can... got it. Yeah. It seems like that's the kind of thing that if it's going to do a limited release, it would do like Toronto, Vancouver in Canada, maybe if we were lucky. But anyway, um, it will be releasing on the 17th, which is this coming week on Apple TV Plus, and it is called Sharper. And why don't uh, why don't you give us the rundown on Sharper, which is a, a um, film I think we both enjoyed maybe a little more than the last one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sharper is Benjamin Karen, I want to say is his surname. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Or Karan, I don't know. Um, and it is a... I was talking to you about how to describe this movie because there's a lot of spoilery stuff in it and I don't want to give too much away, but it's essentially a psychological thriller um, about grifters and you have Sebastian Stan and Julianne Moore uh, who play, I don't even know if I want to say who they're playing. You should, yeah. It's I don't think we can really talk about yeah, it's who they movie. play. But it's, but... it's, it's about, yeah, it's essentially about grifters and, and it's a movie that um have you you've heard the term a hat on a hat like a joke has a hat on a hat mm-hmm. so i only learned that term through bill Hader and seth myers because mm-hmm. it was like a little in joke between them in snl and mm-hmm. then he uses it in barry actually at one point where like they they use it as a throwaway remark of like it's a hat on a hat and like noho hank says that mm-hmm. and i don't think i really I, I got it in theory what that means like a hat on a hat but watching this movie i'm like oh, this is what that means. Like, this is, it's not a joke, but it's just, it's a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat. Like, this movie has one, potentially one too many twists and turns and, and like, you know, head fakes and all that kind of stuff. Um, it breaks it down into different chapters from the perspective of a specific character. So it starts with Tom, uh, who is played by... Justice, well, Justice Smith. Smith, yeah. Who's very, very good. And then moves to his girlfriend, um, Sandra's, Brianna Middleton. And then it goes to, I believe Max is next, which Sebastian Stan, the Madeline, yeah. who's Julianne Moore. And the thing I will say that I think is cool about it is 
when I first saw those title character, the title cards come up um, for Tom, I thought, oh, they might be doing like a Rashomon thing where they take the same event, but different perspectives, mm-hmm. but they don't actually do that. Like they kind of move the story along. Um, yeah, there's, there's overlap for sure, but it's not. There's definitely the... overlap, but it's not an exact retelling of the same scenes from different perspectives. And I, yeah. I appreciate that kind of, it wasn't a head fake, but like, I appreciated that they did it that way. And it, it's, it, the movie is relatively linear. There's one part where they do like a bit of jump backs every now and then, but it, it kind of pushes along the whole way. And it's about a two hour movie, I think just under two hours. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's like a hundred and 115 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And it's a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I did think there was maybe one too many hats. Like I think that it got a, it got a little bit like oh wait there's another one oh wait there's another thing, and that kind of got and then I think to do that many hats, yeah. um, the think, ending think... wasn't as impactful as I would think that if you're going to build it up that high then the ending kind of ends up being a bit I think a little bit um, predictable just given everything that's going oh i found it predictable and so for me I mean, like, leading up to it i was like oh but i, I, I did gonna, enjoy it though i did enjoy the movie what i was gonna say is that it's not a little bit predictable it's it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's um but i think it's my fun, preferred though, isn't it like even if yeah it's, predictable, it's still kind of fun to follow along and, and see how they decide to do it this is one of those movies that i would more describe in the way that um shrek describes himself in the first shrek movie you know ogres have layers onions have layers and movies about grifters have layers and as you you know the fun of them is peeling back said layers to find out who's really who and the i th- i think the problem is is that it and just to be clear i liked this movie like i didn't love it but i liked it i really yeah. like this genre of movie of like who do you trust like who's telling the truth in this particular instance and who's doing what but there was a certain point in this movie and it was like it was in the first chapter. <laughs> it was literally in the first chapter where the, the first time when it becomes clear that so the, the initial setup is that like Tom is this who's um, Justice Smith owner. is a yeah. bookstore owner and he's had a bit of a hard life and he meet, has a meet cute with a girl shopping at his store and then they go on the you know, out to dinner and then they fall in love and then suddenly her deadbeat brother's around and she needs money. And the first time that she's like, my brother's here and he needs money, I'm like, I could tell you the rest of what's going to happen in this movie. <laughs> Do you know what it was for me? And I don't, I don't normally mind it. I don't mind it, but it was just so blatant to me. It was when they like would ask her questions about her life. Like when he's, she's meeting his friends. Yeah. Oh, we went to Vassar. Oh, I'm studying this. It was like, Oh, these are things that it's like you're supposed to remember them. Like they want you to kind of put a pin in yeah. your head that oh she went to Vassar, oh she did this. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing that it was that obvious. Um, also, too, we should consider you and I watch a lot of movies more than like the average bear watches movies. So true to us, it's probably a bit more obvious. <clears throat> but it was one of those things that I was like, the more questions that are asked, because there's one girl who goes, oh I went to Vassar too, and you're kind of like ah oh, something like there's something going on here where she's not telling the truth. And so you kind of just get it from there. Yeah. Um, And I think it's also like, it's worth pointing out that like the marketing of this movie does not make any secret that it is a movie about con artists and people getting conned. Um, I, I only watched the trailer. I would did. I did watch the trailer and I would say the trailer actually does a pretty good job of obscuring who is who, which is good. 
because yeah. uh, that's the whole point. That's the whole fun of the movie. It's yeah. the whole fun of the movie, and the um, the movie actually. I think you're right. It kind of does have maybe like one too many twists yeah. and turns. Like it, 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 it almost comes off the rails in the third yeah. act. Yeah. Um, but not I in a way that I found I to be a deal breaker. Yeah. No, right? not at all. I will say though, I didn't like the kind of the f- big finale scene. It's not the finale finale, but like I didn't like that end note there that they did, and I won't talk about it because it's a big, pretty big spoiler. But I didn't really like that scene. However overall still enjoyed it even though it's like you can see everything coming like a mile away i think it's still a fun movie to watch and sit there and sebastian stan julianne moore who are both good like they're both and and john lithgow as well he's he's in there for a little bit um yeah his hair which kind of threw me off a little bit i'm like oh he's got hair like a lot of (laughs) it threw me off um but they're they're both great in it and then justice smith brianna milton um are both very excellent as well so i i enjoyed it it's a fun movie um to go through and i like i'm like you like i like the genre of of film yeah it's interesting because i think in a lot of ways the criticisms of this one are similar to the last one we talked about in that it is you know it's not terribly deep it's a little bit shallow it's 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 um it's i would say again as you're right as a person who watches a, a ton of movies quite predictable but this one does come together like this you know this one succeeds despite those things whereas the other one fails because of them and that's it that's actually an interesting through line it's yeah that's true we we didn't even plan to do these yeah that was a totally planned theme for the episode (laughs) um (laughs) but it was um yeah i i agree but this one was still entertaining which is yeah you're right actually you're you're completely right like both movies we we know how it's going to end both movies we know where they're going with it and all that kind of stuff neither movie is particularly deep or thought-provoking um which i don't know if they're meant to be to be fair uh but sharper is definitely far and away more enjoyable to watch and a much more entertaining watch um, yeah. than that and i will say i think the movie is shot beautifully like i was so impressed i really liked the style that they were going for it kind of got a bit much it, like it was really intense at times but it yeah. really worked for me and i'm, so I'm just looking at the cinematographer is charlotte christensen her middle name is bruce bruce she's danish yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but um, but it it shot really cool. Like to me, it was a bit of a tie between Deacons's work in Blade Runner twenty forty nine mixed with uh, David Fincher Seven, which is also I think Deacons as well. Yeah, Deacons did that one too. So yeah. it's like to me, it's like a, a nice blend of the two of them, where it's a lot of vibrant colors and then a lot of shadow work as well is done, and it's yeah. I think it's gorgeous. Well, it's a really well, it's movie. it's actually a an incredibly well directed and shot movie, mm-hmm. I would say. Very much so. All of the like all and like you can tell all the performers are totally in. Um yeah. and it's yeah. you know, it's intense when it needs to be, and it's also very casual when it needs to be. One of my one of the scenes that really sticks out in my mind is a, is a scene in a bar where some characters are talking and it's like super casual and I really enjoyed it. Um and then you get the weird like overhead shots of, you know, Sebastian Stan sitting in a chair and like picking up a chess piece and examining it. And you're like, this is exactly the right shot for this moment in I this movie. It, it, so like, and, and again, it's one of those things that like, it's definitely like uh, a, it's a visual trope 
um, but it's so well placed and so and so interestingly shot that like it doesn't matter. Like it's uh, it's sort of perfect for the moment that it even happens. the the open they do like a nice montage of uh, of Tom and Sandra falling in love, and like the two of them kind oh, of yeah. connecting with each other first. Few. That it, those montages are usually so. I'll point to somebody I used to know. They do a montage of uh sean and Allie when they first reconnect on that day and like they, they spend the whole evening together and it is just so clumsy and very tropey and very like you're like yeah 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 we get it but this montage the way that they did it in sharper is just beautiful like i loved it i was watching i go wow i don't think i've enjoyed watching a falling in love montage this much in a very very long time like it's just really really well done yeah, and yeah, actually, I, the, I can't say enough about the styling of the movie. I think it's it's a really everything, every shot that they choose, and even though sometimes it can be a bit much, like sometimes it's over stylized, but it really works. Like somehow it just works with the movie. It's because it's consistent, basically. It's yeah, never, yeah, it's never, it's never dropped, and it's, uh, it's the you know the what level of intensity it goes to does vary, but it doesn't ever stop. Mm-hmm. And I would actually point to. You know, there's a big montage at the end that explains exactly who got screwed over by who because yeah. it's a con man movie. So, of course, it has one of those. Of course, you have to have and, that montage. And that montage is also great. Like, it is. it's not particularly inventive in terms of, like, the narrative that it's trying to convey to you. But it's really well shot and it's really well performed and it's really well just generally executed. And there's one scene that's following a character in that montage, following a character leaving a building and, like, taking off a bunch of makeup and stuff that is just like the perfect version of that shot i thought yeah. yeah it's the it's the very classic like take the wig off throw it into a garbage like it's that classic classic thing um in, yeah. in con man movie like they always do that yeah and it's- like right down to uh that person tosses away an item into a trash can yeah that is like yeah uh but it's like just far enough away that that they have to like toss it and it like is a perfect dunk, like a perfect like swish into it's the trash perfect, can. It's the, it's, like, it's the perfect Kobe shot. It's the, like, yeah. the Kobe it's thing, a, right? Yeah. yeah, it's great. So like it's all these, it's again. I I wouldn't go so far as to say that I loved this movie, but same. it's such a it's a, it's a very well executed version of this kind of movie. You know, I, kind of like um, you know, kind of kind of along the same lines as that. Uh, Will Smith did one with Margot Robbie a couple years ago. That was oh, sort of the um, same thing. Uh, Focus, it was called. Focus, and like yeah. same sort of same sort of deal right like not yeah. reinventing the wheel no. not incredible but like really well executed version of this kind of story and like you can definitely tell where that one's going from like frame five but I it's still fun like movies these days like they're trying to get so <clears throat> cute and clever and trying to be like oh everything needs to be an elevated version of this genre this that and like social commentary running through and all that kind of nonsense but and like because i think maybe we're just getting to the point where we're really sick of recycling ideas but the thing is when you can recycle an idea and do it really really well nobody cares that you're recycling an idea like if somebody i used to know was done really well i could care less that they that they lifted my best friend's wedding like i i really couldn't care but it's just because it wasn't done well but like sharper is done very very well and can you remind me how are you you're big on glass onion right like you're you're a big big glass onion yeah, guy big i did guy. like it yes i liked it a lot so i liked it i thought it was a good movie but ever since that movie because like i it's not a whodunit movie as far as i'm concerned it's not a whodunit even though i don't think that's it's not that's not the movie's fault because from what i've gathered is ryan johnson kind of 
he didn't like that Netflix was pushing it as a second whodunit movie because it's not really a whodunit it's, movie. In it's, my yeah, opinion. it's definitely not exactly the movie that they advertised. No, and um, but I it is it is a mystery, but it's a different kind of mystery. Yeah, and so there was this movie, and then there was a second movie that I'm going to try to remember the name of. Um, that to me, this is the best. Oh, Missing. Did you watch Missing? Uh, the it's like a screen life movie. No, not yet. I haven't seen it yet. I do want to though so, because I really like searching. Yeah, it's it's fun. Like it's really really fun actually. And those this that movie, so missing and then sharper are for me like that's my that's my jam with this genre. Like I like that kind of you can see it a mile away. I know it's coming. It's very very predictable all the little twists and turns, but I really enjoyed watching it. Whereas I found Glass Onion maybe because I went in there expecting a who done it. I was just like, eh. Like, it's fine. Like, it's a fine movie. I have nothing against it. I don't think I've watched it again or anything like that. But those two movies, Missing and Sharper, are better versions of that thriller mystery that I enjoy. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think the you know, the point about Glass Onion is that I think I think it's a really good follow-up to Knives Out. I think it, it mm-hmm. captures all the same things that I loved about Knives Out whilst also being unique like different yeah. a different type of story and mystery and i really like that i just like mystery stories in general um but i would yeah. i would i would agree though that like where i'm where i'm trying to go with this is that like you're you're totally right in that you can recycle anything you want as long as you do it well <laughs> yeah and i think that this might be a lukewarm take but you know lots of people complain about how lots of movies are remakes these days and it's true i'm not trying to deny the just the regular fact that we have a lot of remakes however two of my all-time favorite movies are the maltese falcon which came out in like 1940 whatever 45 42 something like that uh remake (laughs) uh ben-hur william wyler classic from 1959 remake like this is not a new thing you can so you can recycle anything you want. You just have to do it well, and Sharper does it quite well. Uh, I somebody I used to know, not so much, but Sharper does it in a perfectly cromulent and enjoyable way. Ooh, nice use of the word cromulent. Yeah, it's one of my favorite words. It's a great word. Yeah. Um, no, I completely agree. I think like. I think I might have written this in in my review. (laughs) Like, if if you watch enough movies, yeah, I did definitely write this. I I, I think I wrote something along the lines of if you watch enough movies, you'll realize Hollywood's been redoing the same stories for a very, very long time now. It's not not a strike against a movie to to re-churn or recycle old storylines or, like, literally just lift a movie. Like, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. I think the problem that we're getting into right now is it's just it's very rarely being done well now. I think like uh, people are a, getting a little bit lazy um, in how they're remaking movies, and it's definitely a quantity versus quality argument. Yeah, but the absolutely. fact that stuff is being remade is not the problem. Yeah, that's not because you can redo it and it will be it can be great. Like it can be great. Like I, West Side Story is a good example of one. Like we've so many people have seen that i'm not a huge west side story person just generally speaking i'm not really big into the, to, to the story off, off like oddly to, to the west side story um but i think like spielberg did a good job he did like that that's a perfectly great job of, of I mean, remaking that movie you know west side story is also a perfect example because that movie is just a remake of romeo and juliet 
Yeah. It's, you know, like, you can, it's, and then, this and is then not a new somebody, thing. And then the thing is, I'm sure Shakespeare lifted it from something else, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just keeps going. And, and yeah, nothing wrong with it. But this week ended up being good for, for your podcast called Awesome Friday. Indeed. Yeah. Well remembered. Um, <laughs> nice <you>. save. <laughs> It's right on my screen here too. Like I'm literally staring at it. Um, but it's, it, it kind of worked out well that we did these two movies. We didn't intend to, but because it is a perfect example of of two movies that redo a same idea, a same trope, the same type yeah. of movie. One does it very, very well. Actually, I wouldn't say very, very well. One does it well, and one does in, it in an entertaining way. Yeah. Um, and the other, yeah. not so much. Yeah. No. So on a scale of one to five and no half numbers, where are you going to place the movie Sharper? Oh. I'm going to place it very solidly at three stars. Yeah, I think I'm at a three. I'm between a three and a four, but I, if I had to choose between two, I'd go three. Just... It's the type of thing where like out of, out of ten, it might, might be a seven. You know, like... Yeah, I still have to figure out what I'm going to give it out of ten. But I'm, I'm yeah. a three. I'm very comfortable with a three. I think it's a solid three. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. Uh, it's. It's fine. It's still, oh, it's... I also want to make a remark. Um, Sebastian Stan's eyebrows look really weird in it, and I just wanted to point that out there. His eyebrows look okay. strange. <laughs> for just for some context, do Sebastian Stan's eyebrows ever not look strange? No, they don't. They they usually look very good. I actually think that that's one of his best qualities on his face. He's got a very beautiful face. He's a very pretty man. Very handsome. Um, he is very handsome. He's a very very handsome guy. And his eyebrows are really helpful because they're very full and they're very nice. I think I'm going to bring Elvis up again. <laughs> I think he dyes his hair a little bit too dark. Sebastian Stan. It's a little too dark in this for him. Like he's it's it's a bit closer to black than brown. Um, and, you know, Elvis was very famously shoe polished black hair, which he shouldn't have been because he looked better with dark brown hair. Hmm. It's neither here nor there. Well, that's the kind of hard-hitting content you get from the Awesome Friday Movie Podcast. Yep. It's an analysis of Font fonts and hair color. Fonts <laughs> and Sebastian Stan's hair hair color, which it, his eyebrows looked weird because they dyed it like pretty much black. And I didn't like it. Yeah. I will say, too, that um, uh, Justice Smith is a performer who, as it turns out, every, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, Justice Smith is in this? I'm probably going to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, and that's some comment that is definitely, at least in part that um i think he makes good choices but also that um he's just good he's very good at playing the characters he's chosen to play and i appreciate very it good. what what else um i'm trying to what else has he been in film wise um he was in um detective pikachu and um he was in the second jurassic world movie which i'm one of the only people i know who i'm like that movie is better than the first Jurassic World movie because yeah, they're both not neither neither one is what's, good but this one at least is trying something new with the formula what's that um mean? he was also the lead in a Netflix show called The Get Down which I adored um, um and, and I oh, am, looks like he's gonna be in uh, Dungeons and Dragons as well yeah and I think um he's in something else coming up too yeah he's been in a bunch of stuff uh, I liked him. I really liked it. I think this was probably the first time I've seen him in something. Um, but I, I thought he was uh I thought he was good. And Julianne Moore is someone I, I always like watching her on screen. I think she's a very shockingly, Julianne Moore, a talented actress. Just, yeah, and like um for people out there. She's very sexy as well. She's a very sexy lady. Yeah. This is sexy like her and, and Sebastian Stan, the two of them. 
real sexy. Yeah. Sexy. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, so I think that is where we're going to wrap it up. We're basically at time here. Um, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us once again. Uh, thank you for having me. Pretty much, pretty much on the payroll at this point. So, uh, <laughs> um, I will forward you your check for zero dollars uh, sometime soon. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Where can people find you and your work? I go to rachelkh.com and I am on Twitter at underscore rachelkh. Uh, at least as long as Twitter will be around. As long and as we, yeah. I really went haywire the other day. Yeah, I was going to say, we keep saying that, but it keeps like surviving the various crises. I think crises. it'll be fine. I actually do think it's going to be fine. I don't think it's going anywhere, because it is pretty much the last text-based social media that there is. Um, everything else is pictures and videos, and I'm not really willing to start doing videos. So, there you go. And there's like six competitors for Twitter, and none of them are... I mean, some of them are okay, but none of them are good. Um... Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at SmatthewAF and same on Instagram, which I rarely post to. Uh, and you can find the show at uh, at Awesome Friday CA uh, at Awesome Friday CA. See, you on... even mess up the name of your own podcast. How am I supposed to remember it? That's an excellent point that I choose not to address. <laughs> um, <laughs> on both Twitter and Instagram is what I was trying to say. Um, and for everyone who's listening, thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate each and every one of you. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star review or a follow or a like or any of the things. Tell your friends uh, about us. Um, uh, and we appreciate that will help us more than we can possibly say, but also we have a Patreon and a Kofi and those will both be in the show notes. Should you decide to support us a little more directly? Uh, we record this on the unceded lands of the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish nations here in BC, and also the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the Scugog Island First Nations, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. Mine's a lot longer than yours. It is. It's a it's a bigger or, It is a big. It's a bigger area. Is it? I'm not really sure if it's more smaller groups or if it's a larger area, but either way. Yeah. Um. I still think it's important that we do that. It is. Um, I do. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but that is the show. Again, thank you one more time for listening and for joining us on this awesome project.